Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19, the end of that chapter, verses 19 through 21. Now, Sundar Singh is not your typical image of a Christian. He wasn't raised in a Christian home. He didn't live in a Christian nation. And yet Sundar had a calling on his life from the Lord. He was born in 1889 to a Sikh family in Punjab, India. Now Sikhism is a monotheistic form of Hinduism, but it rejects the caste system that is so ingrained in Hinduism. Now, despite being raised Sikh, his family sent him to a school run by Presbyterians. Could you believe it? And each day they would read from the Bible and they would teach Christ and the gospel. And yet Sundar was extremely hostile to the Christian faith. This hostility grew and even came to a head when he was 14 years old and his mother unexpectedly died. He took his anger and frustration out on his Christian missionary teachers. And at one point, he even bought a Bible just so that he could burn it page by page. His despair with life led him close to suicide. But the Lord intervened because he had a call on his life, a call to follow Jesus. Amid his despair, the teaching of the missionaries he hated and the words of the Bible that he had burned brought hope and new life to him. He was drawn by the Spirit of God to the Lord Jesus and decided from that point on to follow Christ. As you can imagine, he was persecuted by his fellow countrymen for his new beliefs. His father disowned him. His brother attempted to poison him several times. The people of his village would throw poisonous snakes into his room, hoping that one might bite him and kill him. And despite these threats, Sundar set out on a life of service to the Lord. He traveled throughout his country of India and even up into Nepal to tell about the goodness and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to serve the least in Christ's name. You see, Sundar had heard the call of the Lord and he decided to follow him in obedience his whole life. The call to follow the Lord can be a difficult path. There's a cost to discipleship that has to be counted. Family members and friends that will turn away. Opportunities and personal ambitions that will have to be repudiated. The heart can no longer be the guide in life, but rather the will of the Lord expressed in His Word. How then can you do as Sundar did? How can you decide to follow Jesus? Last week we saw the Lord brings us each through difficult times to prepare us for the next stage of his plan for our lives. Elijah, running away from the threat of Jezebel, was actually running toward the next phase of his prophetic ministry. Each of us have been through a difficult two years. The stress and strain of a pandemic with all of the political and social upheaval that has come along has left many of us confused and disoriented. Not to mention what has happened in this past week in Ukraine. But God is sovereign. And none of this has caught him off guard. 
And He has used each frustration, each roadblock, each fear, each death for a purpose. He has used each of these struggles to bring you to this place, to this moment, to this church, to this passage of Scripture, that He might send you out on the next stage of your call to follow Him. In this morning's passage, we come to the call of Elisha, the successor of Elijah, which my daughter told me yesterday, Dad, you're just saying the same thing. (laughs) So I will try to enunciate the ja and the sha so you know who I'm talking about. And here in this passage, we find a man who was called by God to give his life in humility and service to the Lord. And here we will find how each of us might take up the call to follow Jesus. So hear now the words of the Lord. 1 Kings 19, beginning in verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now in this time and we pray that your word would go forth in power. Lord, and as your word goes forth, that your spirit might work in our hearts, that we might truly respond, not just outwardly, Lord, but that inwardly we would be changed. And we pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. How might you respond to the call to follow Jesus? Well, the first thing that we see in our text for this morning is that if we are going to follow Jesus, we must be called by God. That is, God chooses those who are to follow him. Look down at verse 19 of our text there. Again, we see that Elijah departed from Mount Sinai, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. It may have been the first time in over three years that Elisha and his father's household were plowing their fields. As you remember, it had not rained for three and a half years. And yet a few months back, Elijah had faced down the prophets of Baal and the Lord had miraculously brought rain to the land. Finally, it was time to get back to business as usual. Finally, it was time to put the famine behind them and move ahead to a new life, move ahead to the new normal. 
The ground was finally soft enough to be plowed up and the weather wet enough to support a crop. They'd been locked down for so long. It was time to get back to what they are used to doing. And so, Elisha, along with 11 others, are plowing the field and out of nowhere, Elijah shows up. Now, we can imagine that Elijah was a bit of a ragtag mess at this point. Most likely thin and worn from his fast and his encounter with the Lord. And he hobbles up and throws his cloak on Elisha's back. No greetings, no pleasantries, no recruiting, no selling. Elijah finds Elisha as the Lord has commanded and he anoints him with a prophetic calling. Elisha doesn't first choose to be called. Rather, he is called by the Lord. This calling is like that of Moses's in the field watching his father-in-law's sheep and the Lord appears to him in the burning bush and calls to him to bring his people out of Egypt. It's like the disciples who are called by the Lord Jesus who lay down their nets and follow him like Matthew the tax collector sitting at his booth when Jesus comes up to him and says, come and follow me. No asking, no known preparation. The Lord calls and his servants follow why well because it's the lord's right to set apart those whom he will it is his right to require you to follow after jesus christ listen to the call of another prophet jeremiah jeremiah records says now the word of the lord came to me saying before i formed you in the womb i knew you And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before you were even born, you were called to this ministry. You see, God chooses those whom He will to anoint to follow after Jesus. We know this about Elisha, not only from the abruptness of his calling, but from verses 16 and 17 from last week, where the Lord tells Elijah that Elisha has been chosen for this ministry. Apart from Elisha's input, the Lord has determined that he will pass on the prophetic office. And that is the Lord's prerogative. He has no requirement to run things by his people. He's created us. And he has the right to determine what we will and we will not do with our lives. Did you hear that? God has the right to determine your job, your vocation. He has the right to determine the size of your family. He has the right to determine what you will do with your free time and what you do with your retirement. He has the right to determine everything that you do, even the fate of your eternal life. He is God and you are not. And this truth is a bit of a slap in the face to a generation that believes they have the right to determine their own path. I can choose who I am and who I will be despite God's call on my life. This doctrine of self-determination has become so deeply ingrained in our public and cultural life that we can believe we can change created reality. We believe that we can change immutable truth by our own personal choices. Whatever I feel about reality is what is reality, despite what God has ordained. 
Despite what William Henley wrote in Invictus, you are not the master of your fate and you are not the captain of your soul. For God and He alone determines your calling and your life. And praise Him for this. Praise Him for this grace that He does not lead us to determine our own truth in our own path. Because our self-determined path is broad and it leads to destruction. But His call is the narrow path that leads to life and to life everlasting. Praise God. You see, although the call of Elisha looks sudden, it was not sudden from God's perspective. The Lord had planned this calling He had been preparing Elisha for this task so that when the moment of his calling came, he would be ready to answer the call. So Elijah passes by, places his cloak upon Elisha and thereby anoints him to this prophetic task to follow Jesus. You must submit to God's sovereign determination of your life. Now, at this moment, I know that there are those of you who are new to Presbyterian beliefs and you're thinking, wait, wait a second. Then Elisha's just a pawn. He's just a robot. He has no choice in determining his future. Why have a sermon on how to follow Jesus if God is the one who determines who follows Jesus? And yet what we see from our text and what we Learn in the rest of God's word is that the Lord determines those whom he will call. And yet he calls them in such a way that they must decide to follow him. You see, God's electing his choosing who will be called is not based upon human decision. It's based upon his own holy and loving will before the foundation of the world. Yet when he does call a man or a woman, he does not do it apart from their own personal response to that call. And while we might find this mysterious or difficult to reconcile, we should not dismiss the reality of it. God chooses who follows him And those whom He chooses will infallibly but freely decide to follow Him. Everyone that the Lord calls will respond, but everyone will respond according to their own renewed will. Elisha was the next appointed prophet in the line of prophets beginning with Moses, yet he still decided to follow We see this decision in verses 20 through 21. You look down at the text. See his response to this call that has been placed upon his life. It says, He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people. And they ate. A few things about Elisha's decision to follow Elijah's call. First, we see that he responds enthusiastically to this call. Elisha runs after Elijah. Like Matthew, again, at the tax collector's table, he is willing to drop everything he's doing and follow the Lord's call on his life. This call came suddenly, but the Lord prepared him to respond enthusiastically. 
The second thing that we see is that Elisha makes a complete break with his former life. Some have ridiculed Elisha from turning back to kiss his parents goodbye. But we do not see a hint of this in the text. Elijah does not object to Elisha's wanting to say goodbye. His goodbye is not a delay tactic. Rather, he uses his goodbye to make a clean break from his past. You see, Elisha offers his oxen upon the wood of his yoke. It is as if Elisha is burning his bridge of return. I'm sure many of you have heard the history of Cortez in 1519 when he arrived from Spain to the New World with 600 men and their mission was to conquer the Aztec Empire for Spain, a monumental task for such a small group of men. And upon arrival, Cortez did the unthinkable. His men got off of the boats and then Cortez had the boats destroyed. He literally burned their only escape route. The only way was forward. The message was clear. There is no retreats. There is no turning back. And Elisha's message is the same. There is no turning back on his decision to follow the Lord's calling. My former way of life as a plowman is now a prophet. The oxen represented his wealth. The yoke represented his work. And both were offered to the Lord irrevocably. All that I have and all that I do is yours, Lord. Jesus says to us in Luke chapter 9, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Lord had determined that Elisha would be the next prophet. And Elisha set his face like flint to the task at hand, burning his boat so that he could only go forward. And this is how we must follow the Lord. You must decide to follow Him. You must make a clear and unchangeable resolution to sacrifice your old life and take hold of the life that you have now been given in Christ Jesus. When the prophet Isaiah was called by the Lord, his response was, Here I am, Lord, send me. No qualifications, no reserves, no boats for retreat, no contingencies. The Lord gives His sovereign call to follow and His people respond. How might you follow the call of the Lord? Every Christian must make a personal decision to unreservedly turn from their former life and trust the calling that the Lord has on their future. To follow the Lord, we must know His call is sovereign and submit to it. Second, we must decide to unreservedly follow this call. And the third thing we see in our text is that to follow the Lord, we must embrace the path of humble service. In today's culture of celebrity pastor, where mega congregations are built around the personality and charisma of a single person, it can be difficult to see that the ministry is to be one of humility and service. 
Often, what makes a successful ministry today is not quiet acts of prayer and humble behind-the-scenes service, but rather showmanship and entertainment and good social media marketing. Nevertheless, the ministry to which Elisha is called is not a ministry of glory, but one of humility. It seems that Elisha must have come from a wealthy Family, at least we can infer that from this text. If his family had 12 pairs of oxen, that would be 24 animals. And the land that required 24 oxen to plow it. They must have been a rather wealthy family. Elisha probably had been anticipating a life of some prestige and influence in his community. But look at the end of verse 21. And see the life that he embraced to follow the Lord. It says, Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Later in the story of Elisha, we read, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. This was the path that Elisha was set upon. While he would come to his own as a prophet, that day would not be for many years. To begin, Elisha's call and ministry was to assist and to wash the hands of Elijah. His ministry was to serve. And in the kingdom of God, there are very few places of prominent ministry. The servants of the Lord are not called to be in the limelight. They're not called to be glorious. They're called to be servants. They're called to be humble. And it is an indictment upon the church in America that in the most successful churches, it would be more accurate to say, this pastor of ours is our church celebrity than to say this is the servant of our church. Listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ said about His own ministry. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And if you would follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you must be willing to embrace a life of humility, a life of weakness, a life of accounting others higher than yourself. But we have to be very aware that humility runs completely counter to a world that is hyper-focused on self. The narcissism that we accept as normal today must be repudiated by all those who would seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If your life consists of constantly promoting yourself and your image to a watching world, then it will be very difficult for you to have the humility to take up the call to wash hands like Elisha or to wash feet like the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless, of course, you can get a selfie doing it. Hashtag following Jesus. To follow Jesus is to embrace humility because you trust Him and you trust His teaching that those who are first are going to be last, but those who are last will be first in His kingdom. 
You are willing to embrace humility and a life of service because you believe that those who seek to save their lives, to promote themselves, will lose their lives. But those who give their lives for Jesus Christ and His kingdom will find life and life everlasting. To follow Jesus, you must trust Him enough to believe that if you walk the path of humility, one day you will be lifted up. Even as the Lord Jesus Christ Humbly walk this path to die upon a cross and be buried, but then on the third day rose again from the dead. Now, at this point you might be thinking, well, good for Elisha. Good job, Elisha, leaving everything behind to serve the Lord. And this is the type of response that I would get from people when I let them know that I felt a call to go into ministry. Oh, good job. Good for you. I'm glad that you're going to do that. But if you're a Christian, you cannot pass the buck of ministry to a professional class of servants. Because every Christian has been called to a life of following the Lord. The Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter Chapter 2, speaking to every Christian, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Even as, as Elijah passed by Elisha and clothed him with the prophetic mantle, so too have you been clothed with the Holy Spirit of God. And your baptism has marked you out as one who has received the calling of the Lord. You have been chosen and now you must follow him in service and humility all of your life. Even as the Lord Jesus has told us, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this is your call this day to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in humble service. As the leadership of Rivermont has sought the Lord For the next stage of ministry for our church. We have felt a strong call. That we are to minister to our surrounding Rivermont neighborhood. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. To form relationships with businesses and schools. And community leaders and public servants. So that we might reach the lost with the message of repentance. And forgiveness of sin. And life everlasting through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Recently, a committee that we call the Vision Committee of our church has been interviewing leaders in our neighborhood. And the one need that is continually raised is the need for relationship, for connection. Over the past two years, people have been isolated in ways that we cannot even imagine. And now they are desiring community. And we... We have the message of a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This must be the time to respond. For never again will we have a time such as this. We must respond to God's call. Not just to go back to normal. Not just to get back to plowing the fields. But to see that the Lord has a call upon our church. And the Lord has a call upon each of your lives to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That a dying world might receive life through Jesus Christ. And what this call means concretely will come together in time. 
However, right now, it means submitting yourself to the call of the Lord. Are you willing to say with no reserves, with no reservations, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Because Sundar did not write down any of his missionary adventures, we know very little about what he accomplished in his life of humility and service. But the one thing we do have from his life is the chorus, I have decided. And I want you now at this time to stand. And in your insert you have this chorus, And as a response to God's call today, let us sing these words together. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Christian, the Lord has placed His calling upon your life. He has chosen you. There is no turning back. Follow Him. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray that we would not return to the old fields, but that we would look forward to the new call that You have upon our life, that we might in faith and humility follow And lay down our lives even as our Lord Jesus Christ laid down His. We pray it in Christ's holy name.
Amen.